Hey church friends, Chris here. Our 100th episode was on things we wish we knew sooner in our Christian walk. You got to hear what me and Murdoch wish we knew sooner in our Christian walk, but now is the chance for you guys to share with us what's one thing you wish you knew sooner in your Christian walk. So if you'd like to share that with us, you could email us at yourchurchfriends at gmail.com or join our Facebook group page. There you'll see the post that we have talking about this and you can leave a comment right below. If you give a thumbs up, I'll share it on an upcoming episode like our friend Paul. He said, understanding the true meaning of Isaiah 55.9. And Isaiah 55.9 reads, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So if you'd like to share with us, again, what you wish you knew sooner in your Christian walk, you could email us at yourchurchfriends at gmail.com. Lost deep. In the pages of your Bible are the books that are unmentioned, unheard of, and unread. They are the forgotten books of the Bible. All right, welcome to your Church Friends Podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Mirdlich. So over Christmas, we bought the kids uh, Nintendo Switch. Mm-hmm. And it's been really fun. The kids have enjoyed it. I really liked buying it for them because it took us, uh, kind of went backwards for them with video games. You know, like we had an Xbox, but like Reed was like four when he started playing Halo. And I think that's a little too advanced for a four-year-old, uh, but he was actually really good at it. But, I was going to say, it explains why he's good. Yeah, he was really good at it. But we bought the Switch. And um, what I found lately is myself being more drawn to want to play that. Like, I grew up playing video games, and I played video games for a very long time. But really around the point where Reed was born was where, like, my individual, I just play video games by myself time dropped dramatically. And it wasn't that I didn't have the time or Justine didn't let me. It was just more like I would grab the controller, I would turn it on, be like, ah, I don't really care about doing this. Um, I get that. I kind of have the same thing. Yeah, so then... uh more of the time playing now is like family stuff. We'll play like Minecraft together and and things like that. Or I'll... the Switch is really good for all that family stuff. It's yeah. kind of built around that. Yeah, and we'll play like me and Reed will play Halo together. So it was more just based on like playing with him only. Uh, but the Switch, I found myself because you know how you could take it and it's just in your hands. Mm-hmm. And so I was sitting on the couch, and we bought that uh, online thing, yeah, the online pack that comes with like the older games. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah, 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 and. <laughs> And so yesterday, I'm just sitting there for, I don't know how long, but I'm playing uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Yeah, that's a classic. And I was just all into that. So uh, that's just kind of, I guess I want more of a confession to start the show. <laughs> confession. <laughs> I've rekindled my childhood love of video games. Yeah, there might be an issue of a uh, video game addiction coming back into my life. Yeah. Yeah. Growing up, um, when I was younger, younger, we had the original Nintendo. I don't recall having a Super Nintendo, but we did have the Genesis. So like that was when I was a kid. And then really like that was more of like my brother was playing on more on those. I was kind of on the Genesis. But then when we got the PlayStation 1, that was like mine. So I was a PlayStation kid for through PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2. My, my cousins had like the N64 and stuff. Um, so having the Switch and having some of those older games or being able to do stuff, it's fun because like I remember just really loving Mario parties and all those. I really liked the original Pokemon Snap. So they just, I think they threw that on like the online thing too. So it's been fun. We had the same thing. Uh, Casey got a Switch and just playing some of the older Nintendo stuff is fun. Yeah, it really is. It's like a, 
I, I think we talked about it yesterday, right? You're like that TikTok guy. Is like, if you found yourself not enjoying video games, it's not you. It's the video games. Yeah. And I, for me, it really hit home because I haven't had a modern console since the PS2. Like, there was a mm-hmm. PS2 and then nothing and then the Switch. Um, but mobile gaming for me and mobile gaming has all the like login for this or get this or get this and all the achievements and all the stuff that it tracks and it's just like are you still are you playing the video game to play the video game and get the enjoyment or like are you doing it for all of those other reasons so yeah the guy on tiktok was like go play a game that was put out before internet connectivity and just play the game for the enjoyment of playing the game it's like yeah that's pretty legit yeah it really is that it took me right back to to childhood but that's not what this podcast is about. I do want to ask. We don't need to get into it. But you said that you had another thing that you were going to say to lead it off. I just want to know what it is. Oh, it was uh, talking about the, the recordings I had to do by myself. Okay. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Those are difficult. <laughs> I don't want to talk about <laughs> it. <laughs> I'm here now. I don't want to talk about what we already talked about. What, never mind. Um, yeah. We don't need to talk about <laughs> it at all. Uh, but this is uh, for... All accounts of being forgotten books in the Bible, uh, the last one. The last of the canonical forgotten books. Right, yeah. Yeah. So this will be the last one. I, then we'll jump into uh, the Didache, Shepherd of Hermes, and tackle the mountain called Enoch. What's crazy is to think that, like, so we're doing the forgotten books, and anybody listening through this series... If we forgot one of the forgotten books, no one would know because it's that forgotten. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah we're not getting People any... are like, yeah, I didn't really know any of those. Yeah. Like, well, you, you don't know what else we're missing unless yeah. you open up to that first page of the Bible and follow along the index, right? Yeah, I don't remember which one it was, but it may have been Zephaniah. And I was like, yeah, we're going to cover Zephaniah. I was talking to Justine. Yeah, she was I like, Zachariah? And I was like, no, 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 Zephaniah. But she's like, that's not in there. You're making things up now. And I'm like, no. It is. Your pages just got stuck together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but is that even an excuse anymore? It's all digital. Well, if you still read the pages. Mm. Like, I still have a, the Bible book that I read. I just have it for show. There's lines in there and markings. I remember that was a thing. Uh, one time I was preaching and I was just using my phone mm-hmm. to, like, reference everything. And basically got some feedback. Joe was like, yeah, we get it's the same thing but maybe just have a print Bible up on the podium anyways. And it's like, to me, is like, I don't get it. Like, it's the same yeah. thing. If anything, it's like, that's more of a lie because I read either on my phone or on my computer. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, let me go bust out the, the big print one and, and bring that, which anytime I've been on that stage since, I've used the print one just to, you know, you don't need to cause little stumbling blocks for people. Appease the people. But... Yeah, I remember I was just reading off my phone, and I guess that was a step too far for some people. That is. <laughs> that is. That's like, you went way too far. Uh, confession number two, I guess, for this episode. I actually, when I teach, or even for this podcast, like you're seeing my Bible's open, my phone's on top of it, but every scripture reference I have is on my computer in my notes. That's what I'm saying. You have it yeah. here just for show. Yeah, it really <laughs> <laughs> But there are moments where like if uh, for... The purpose of our podcast is different. If you say something, I'll look at the print because usually I have things written down that I'm like... Right. Yeah, you reference that a lot. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, on my margins, I have this. But when I'm teaching, I don't. It's just literally there on whatever stand just for the show of it. Yeah. Yeah. Confession number two. It's a very deep, you know, heartfelt, pulling, exposing of myself episode here. I use technology. 
<laughs> the Amish are very disappointed. Good news, they won't know about that confession because you did it on the podcast. I've been shunned. <laughs> Anyways, people really want... Did we already say what the last book oh, is? Oh, no, no. We got into the foolishness. Uh, Titus. Titus. Yeah, Titus is a good one. Uh, it has so many things uh, just from the content in it itself, not even looking at what the background history surrounding the book is and who Titus is. So uh, these might be uh, slightly longer episodes that we might have to shave up into maybe a couple of parts here. I think this one will be. It, it might be. I, I'll get I into mean, the... if you talk a lot, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get into the questions and there, that might lead to why. So we're going to look at what the pastoral letters are, uh, what's up with Crete, who was Titus, and then you want to touch on the Trinity? Sure. Is that why it's going to be long? Yeah. yeah. We're going to talk about eggs and water and yeah. <laughs> whatever Waffle else. batter. And... <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I haven't heard that one. No, you haven't? No. No, I just made it up. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> like one time I was at Denny's and a pastor told me about the Trinity. <laughs> and it opened my eyes. I, I, I'm, we'll get to it. We can go in order. But just that question of like, who is Titus? I think that the book, obviously, Titus, it's addressed to Titus. And we did cover Second Timothy, right? Yeah, that's how he started. Right. So we're looking at Second Timothy, and a lot of people are more familiar with like First Timothy. They're like, oh, yeah, Paul, he's got that young guy, mm-hmm. like Timothy. But people forget about Titus. They're just like, yeah, he was also around, kind of doing the same thing. Yeah. He's like full on left. Then as we go, like left in Crete, and there's stuff going on there. So full on church leader. Mm-hmm. Apparently, people like Timothy more. Like Titus is just over there, like page or two away. That's because forgotten. <laughs> it's because Titus was full Greek. Mm. Timothy was only half Greek. The look on your face is this. <laughs> was that use... supposed to be <laughs> tropical thunder? Oh, so <laughs> but I don't want to use that because <laughs> people might be like, "Why would you watch a movie like that?" Uh... <laughs> But I might just leave this in. This episode is going to be a struggle. <laughs> All right. So you said first question up, the pastoral letters. Yeah. So uh, let me get to the breakdown first, and then we'll get into the question. I always have to do my breakdowns. Okay. It's systematic in my head. OCD kicks in. Uh, so verses 1 through, or chapter 1, verse 1 through chapter 2, verse 15 is... Introduction instructions about elders, uh, some truth in various groups. Uh, so uh, you see in there, there's the qualifications for the elders. Uh, there's a little talk about what the Cretans are. Um, instructions for older men, instructions for older women, instructions for younger women, and instructions for younger men. Instructions for slave and why we teach. And I honestly found like the instructions to be like really interesting when I read it, like prepping for the show again. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just like things that stood out to me that I didn't catch the first time. So like when he's talking to the women, uh, likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live. And not, not drink a lot of wine. Not slanderers, <laughs> addicted to much wine, but teach what is good. And then the word then follows it. Then they will train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, uh, to be busy at home, to be kind and to be subjects to their husband. So that no one will uh, malign the word, malign the word of God, and then similarly encourage young men to be self-controlled. But it's like in each one of them, it's like self-controlled, sound doctrine, is sprinkled in there, and those words kind of, like the connection between like older women teach the younger women, then this will happen, so that God's word won't be looked 
looked at like shamefully. Yeah, you brought up sound doctrine. That's definitely a huge thing throughout it. Self-control gets mentioned quite a bit, but also good works slash good mm -hmm. deeds is just like all throughout the thing. I know that James tends to get highlighted as the book that's like, oh, talking about your faith, I'm going to tell you about my faith through my good works, right? But I didn't realize that Titus was just so heavy on good works, good works, good works. Like, cool, yeah. you're doing this, let it show through your good works. You're doing this, instruct them in good works. You have sound doctrine, let it come out in good works. Mm -hmm. So just kind of those theme wars that we're talking about coming out, definitely sound doctrine or, you know, teaching coming through is a big one. How you just gave those relational type aspects of, hey, in these situations, but kind of what is that supposed to result in? Kind of how you have that then. Mm -hmm. It's definitely, you know, what does good look, works look like within the household? What does it look like, you know, out in the world and stuff? So, yeah, it even wraps up that part when it after it talks about like uh, teach slaves to be subject to their masters and everything, uh, trying to please them, not talk back to them and not steal from them and show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. You know, and it, it's in there talking about like how you act uh, really shapes what people think about God. Mm -hmm. and, and I know it's something that's said a lot, and I know it's something that's preached a lot, but the follow-through of that aspect, that, that teaching is like, is that something that we really consider? When you have the case okay, so of there's teaching, and you want to make sure it's good teaching, right? Mm -hmm. And kind of what we've done, I feel, in current times, at least in Southern California-type churches, I would expand it to American churches and probably to Western churches in general, but we've taken, hey, here's a teaching. And we go, do you believe it? Mm -hmm. And we don't connect believing it to living it. Yeah. Like there's a false disconnect there that as if you could believe something and not live it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think that that's kind of where this book comes in. It's like, hey, we're teaching this and it results in a living mm -hmm. versus a lot today. We go like, we're teaching this. Does it result in a believing? And I think that maybe we should be changing our ideas from believing into living. Yeah. But probably that's more for the next episode. That, yeah, yeah, definitely is. Uh, then there's the instructions for Christian living. So that's kind of what we tackled right now. So that's three, one through 11. It's what to do, what God has done. Uh, what to avoid, and then again, continue to teach. And then the last part is the closing instructions and some final greeting, and that's 3, 12 through 15. So that is the breakdown. I added some things in there to like kind of expand what really is happening in there just from the very generic titles given, but that, that's how it breaks down. I'm going to rephrase some of those um, just as you know, an outline to it. Mm -hmm. So you've got the letter opening, which is chapter 1, 1 through 4. Uh, chapter 1, 5 through 16 is Titus's role to appoint leaders and refute error. You've got chapter 2, verses 1 through 15, is the church as a teaching community. Then you go into chapter 3, 1 through 11, is seeking the social good and resisting error. And mm. then, as you were saying, wrapping it up, 3, 12 through 15 is final instructions and letter closing. So kind of saying the same things, but sometimes different wording. You can look at the yeah, I like that too. Perspective. That was way better. Well, it's coming from N.T. Wright. I mean, come on. Oh, that was from uh, N.T. Wright. I course. got this cool book that also has like a video series on Lagos, mm -hmm. and it's the New Testament in its world. Mm -hmm. And it goes through and gives so much of the cultural aspect of it breaks it down. Here's the Gospels. Here's Paul's writings. Here's um, Peter's writings. Here's John's. Here's just the general everything that surrounds it all. And it gives a lot of the cultural aspect, the videos 
it's NT Wright and another guy, I forget his name, but they'll go on location for some different things. And it's pretty cool. Hmm. Uh, again, when you ask me, hey, what book did you read? I'm like, I don't read books all the way through. <laughs> it's the same thing of, oh, I'm going to look at Titus. So let me go look at it. But everything that I've seen in there is really legit. Highly huh. recommended. That's really good. You have access to my stuff, so yeah, <laughs> you go check go it out it. later. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Question one. Uh, what are the pastoral letters? So the pastoral letters, as they've been dubbed, uh, written by Paul, and kind of what I came across, and I tend to like it a bit better, is rather than looking at them as pastoral letters, looking at them as mentoring letters. Mm. Yeah, I like that. And I like that phrasing to it. Yeah. Because I think that people have an idea in their mind of like, oh, pastoral and what a pastor. Like really what you have here is Paul writing to these guys, and it is more on a level of like mentoring, like lead... Well, yeah, some leadership mentoring, but just mentoring them in the role. Yes, in the role of past, like pastorship and pastoring. But I think that when you look at them as mentoring, it opens up probably people's willingness to jump into them and find applicability. And yes, not everyone's a pastor, not everyone's a leader, but I think it just opens it up a little bit more. Yeah. So we're looking at First uh, Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus. Mm-hmm. Those three together, yeah. Uh, I read that they didn't really actually begin to be called the pastoral letters till around the 18th century. Oh, that late? Yeah, okay. which was really surprising to me. Uh, but they were, uh, as early as the second century, they were recognized as a group within the larger works of Paul. So they were already recognized as something separate. Um, and like you said, pastoral letters, just because Titus and Timothy's role of being pastors. So that's where you get kind of the name of it. See, you're stumbling into the trap. You're saying Paul's letters. Have you not learned by now that everything is up for debate? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you, you going to sit here and tell me that Paul wrote these? So the <laughs> traditional view... I'm going to say that Paul wrote them. <laughs> the traditional view is that Paul wrote three letters, likely with the help of a scribe or a secretary, around 62 to 68 AD. Um, and he wrote them during his second imprisonment, which is unknown to the works uh, in Acts. So it's not anything mentioned in Acts, his second imprisonment. First Clement 5 through 7 says... Through envy, I'm getting to your question of Paul. Oh, no, I'm, 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 with I'm working there. Uh, says through envy, Paul too showed by example the prize that is given to patience. Seven times he was cast into chains, he was banished, he was stoned, uh, having become a herald both in the east and in the west. He obtained a, the noble renown due his faith, and having preached righteousness to the whole world, and having come to the extremity of the West, and having borne witness before rulers, he departed at length out of the world, and went to the holy place, having become the greatest example of patience. So here Clement is talking about the the trip to Spain, when they're talking about the mm-hmm. far West, that that's Paul's trip to Spain, that's not really mentioned in any of the biblical letters, but it is history thought of that Paul eventually, may, I, I think in one of the letters he says, I want to get to Spain, right, 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 right. Uh, but you know they eventually say that they get. So the problems with Paul writing these letters. So here's some people who, some views of the traditional view, the problem of the traditional view, uh, that the letters exhibit differences in vocabulary and style mm-hmm. compared to the other letters by Paul. The events described in the other people and locations assumed do not readily fit with what is known of Paul and his co-workers in Acts and in his other letters. The false teaching described in the letters seems to reflect the teaching from the 2nd century rather than the time of the apostles. 
and the leadership structure of the Christian community portrayed in these letters appears to be more like that associated with the early 2nd century uh, than the mid-1st century. Mm -hmm. So those are the people who have problems with it. Uh, Anthony Kenny says uh, he concluded after reading Titus, it is only Titus which shows which is shown as deserving the suspicion cast on the pastoral. So to him, out of the... First and second Timothy were right, but yeah, Titus... He was like, Titus, I don't get. Uh, so I was more forgotten, yeah. Yeah, so... <laughs> Paul didn't even write this yeah. thing. Why is it in here? <laughs> uh, so that's the, the problems or the way people come across some of uh, the views of Paul. And as we've said every time, it's like, I think that it's good that we are able to study on that level. I mean, the fact of even just the computers that we're running things through and they're looking at all of the different, for New Testament, the Greek lemmas that are in there, right? And mm -hmm. they're able to say, there are, I forget what the numbers were for Titus. It was like 130 something, maybe like unique lemmas that were only in this book mm -hmm. that weren't found in other ones. So like, that's a crazy level of analysis. And I get that when you're looking at data in a certain way, it can definitely reveal stuff and I'm not a scholar on that level, and I don't want to just be the guy's like, well, this is what was told to me, and this is what we've all done, so don't change it, you know? Mm -hmm. Even though a lot of times that's kind of <laughs> where <laughs> I do side with a lot of church history a lot of times, but I, I do appreciate that we're looking at things and trying to get like a deeper perspective on it. Some of the things that I look at, though, when they're just like, he uses a different vocabulary, it's like... I could use a different vocabulary right now that's different to this show, but that's not different to my life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whether like me and my daughter have a different language, that there would be different English lemmas mm -hmm. <laughs> all throughout, like everything's going at our house. We have so many, like we have a curry language that is just built off of like our own internal memes of words and mistakes and stuff. So we just talk in a different way. And I talk different with you and I talk, and it's not that I'm a different person, but the communication is like that. So sometimes when I look at, oh, he spoke different and he uses different words, like, honestly, if you put me in a more academic situation, I am going to try harder to use my big boy words that I've learned. I've noticed with uh, every day-to-day -day talking, mm -hmm. uh, it's a lot different than even on the show. Yeah. Like just the flow, the consistency, uh, the dumber sounding. <laughs> uh, but then when we come to record, there's a difference to that. There's also a difference to... Oh, we're dumber sounding the rest of the time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I thought you were saying no, we're I'm not smarter too here. good on... <laughs> uh, hopefully, I think I'm smarter here. Uh, but then when we come to record, there's this conversation where I'm not looking at my notes. So my notes would be the written things that I have written down that I want to say. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm just having this conversation. These are free-flowing words. And then there's the written things. And when I write things, I do tend that I write smarter. I write 10 to 15 times smarter. Yeah, like I'm going to write, use bigger words that aren't usually just things said in my vocabulary. So yeah, I get what you're saying that to, to question it based on that is kind of... And the other thing, it was a known practice to use how you said scribe. Mm -hmm. And if you're using a different scribe who has a different style or like, you know, whatever it is, and they're just like, that's just how authors are, right? They're different kinds. If you hire somebody to do copywriting, they're going to have different styles and stuff. So if you're getting a person that has a different style and this is when he's, if this is when he's in his second imprisonment or whatever's happening and this is who's available, who has this different flavor to it, like that's also kind of expected to me. Mm -hmm. Paul could sit there and be like, no, 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 you need to use these words and these words, but the influence of someone else helping you write 
can change things. And again, maybe scholars have answers for all of those things, and I'm looking at it too simplistically, but that's where some of these things are like, okay, cool, let's take it into consideration, but... There's even a... So Ellingard, he suggested that to obtain the accurate estimate for the relevant frequency of any given word, there would need to be a text sample 10 times bigger mm -hmm. than the inversion of the word frequency, uh, relative frequency. So you'd need 10 times that one word. So if a word occurs in Romans, uh, which has 7,111 words, an amount of work from that author of Romans would need to be 71,000 71,100 or something like that words needed. Right, uh, to be able need to 10 see times you. the amount. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so, so cool. Scholars have looked at it. Yeah. And I'm confirmed. I'm as smart as them without knowing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so with the 13 letters uh, attributed to Paul, there's only 32,000 words in it. Right. So it's not a big enough sample to even prove that, oh, because of frequency, this and that, that it's not him. And then we even talked about different audience. So if we're going to a different audience, uh, we talk differently as like in the podcast, different audience to how I even preach on a Sunday morning. Now, some of the stuff, because talking on the language level, on the level of including things that were more common in the second century, but that stuff piques my attention because in 2012, we were all worried about like the whole Aztec or Mayan calendar stuff ending the world, right? I imagine there was a writing then that was talking about a pandemic and everyone wearing masks and doing all this like it would it would be out of place because no one was envisioning or talking that just wasn't part of what anybody was looking at except for those with really shiny hats <laughs> <laughs> they might have been writing yeah. something about it but you know what i mean yeah. so for paul to be writing about stuff that hadn't happened that he couldn't have known about that were cultural things that were happening this was written mid-60s, and they're talking about this was like early 2nd century. That's like maybe 50 years later. I just gave a thing of a decade later. 50 years later, that's like in the 80s talking about the COVID pandemic, right? And mm -hmm. it's just, yeah, that piques my attention more, but I didn't, my resources, I wasn't able to go deep enough into, well, what were all of those cultural things and how much of a reference was it? You know, yeah. sometimes, well, that kind of reference is like, that wasn't a strong reference. Yeah. So for me, that left on, okay, it's interesting. I would need to do personal deeper study on it. But again, it's, I trust that it should be in the Bible. Mm -hmm. I trust that it has good teaching. I didn't feel the need to do that right now. Ow. <laughs> You're right. I had like a, like a little skin thing. Hey. And when I put my hand underneath, it caught on the fabric of the chair and just pulled back. Oh, I'll be okay. I'll, I'll tough through this episode. Oh. I don't think I need a doctor. I should have put a Band-Aid on. I was going to this morning. All right. Um, so e even with that, uh, several of the church fathers, including Ignatius, Polycarp, Clement, uh, they knew of the pastoral letters. So uh, Clement, in his earliest evidence, knowing it, he wrote about it. And there's similarities between First uh, Clement 2.7 and Titus 1.16 and 3.1. So I'll read both of them. Uh, it says, from Clement, uh, You do not relent on any well-doing. Be ready to every good work and be adorned with every virtuous and holy habit of life. You did all things in his fear, uh, the commands and ordinance of the Lord were written on the breath of your heart. And then 
Titus 1 is the, uh, they claim to know God, but their actions, uh, by, by their actions, they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for doing any good. And then 3.1 is remember the people, uh, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient and ready to do whatever is good. So uh, the from what I read, they're saying that the similarities are the idea of doing good. So uh, basically, there was enough time for the end of the second sec- century to structure the church basically the way like Paul had wrote it. Right. It being the seeds of the thing. And sometimes we can think that it's traveling in a different direction. Yeah. And when you brought up the some of the fathers as well, is that when you look at them who were in the late first century and then into the second century, they would have known if it was something written in their time. Mm-hmm. So when they're referencing it as Paul, again, that's where I trust a lot of the yeah. church tradition on stuff. Because like if it hadn't really been around and then it just popped up, they were able to catch that a lot easier, Mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah, that's where I kind of generally go into with a lot of this. Like I could see the questioning and the really, uh, the reason why I wanted to bring a lot of this up was because there is such a, a movement today. I think that's stronger in questioning who wrote the letters. But again, and and I know it's fine. It's, it's been there, and I know it's like, yeah, it's fine if you're doing it for the right purpose. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of times the purpose isn't to do it to, like, understand deeper, but to then say, like, that doesn't need to be there. And say, look, Paul used words that he couldn't have used. Therefore, we all came from monkeys. <laughs> it's like, yes, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, where are you? Yeah. So uh, the last thing I have on this one is that uh, there's the idea that Luke wrote all three uh, of the letters, hmm. uh, but wrote them during Paul's lifetime and at Paul's request, and then... Uh, as Paul dictated it, uh, one commentator said, uh, the voice is the voice of Paul, but the hand is the hand of Luke. So, hmm. Did you spring that up during Second Timothy as well? That quote sounds kind of familiar. I may have, or Chris Brown. Okay. He's smart. Um, yeah, kind of for me, just looking at pastoral letters, because I think the question was like, what are they? Mm-hmm. It's like, they're definitely there uh, to demand. This is coming from that same uh, N.T. Wright book says, first, they demand that we guard the gospel and the tradition which embodies it. Second, the pastorals are not woodenly doctrinaire, doctrinaire or dogmatic. They abound with an emphasis on doing good deeds and living a life of faith. And third, the pastorals are a robust reminder about the importance of mentoring. So, guarding the gospel is not really about putting in a bunch of dogmatic stuff, but living a good life of faith and the importance of mentoring. Those three kind of encapsulate the, the three pastoral letters. Yeah, which I think is a good way to sum up all three of them together. Uh, we're at around... It wasn't supposed to be that long. You let me talk and talk. You well, you had a lot of good stuff. It in. Yeah, we had a lot of good <laughs> stuff there. Uh, so <laughs> I feel bad because it's the episode about Titus and we barely touched about Titus, uh, who he is. But we'll tackle who's Titus and then touch on the Trinity. And hopefully this episode doesn't turn into a trinity. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe not. No. Well, it will because we do have the part three follow-up. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. God's so with plan. Jude, we had like seven questions that turned into five episodes. Titus, we have four that turned into... There's a lot in there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I am Chris. I'm the. We are your church friends. Thanks for listening. Nahum, Obadiah, Jude, Philemon, Haggai, 
Amen. Amen.